Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Recorded live. All right, uh, folks, this is Mike again. It's uh, the truth of my journey to find it. I found it in my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And uh, we have uh, Larry and Chris here, and they're going to be doing a study on the Gospel of John, Chapter 8. So, gentlemen, I'll let you take it away. Okay, well, like I said, uh, uh, Michael, feel free to... You know, jump in any time if you have any comments or anything. I know you're pretty busy there. And I'm going to – I've asked Chris to do the reading kind of so that uh, I can kind of collect my thoughts as we go along. And can we – why don't we just go through five verses at a time, Chris? So I'll let you just go through the five verses. And any comments you want to make after the reading, go ahead, and then then I'll try to piggyback on the, on what, what where we're going. Well, that sounds well, brothers. Uh, uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 8. Jesus went unto the Mount of Olives, and early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came unto him, and he sat down and taught them. And the scribes and the Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that, should, that, that such should be stoned. But what sayest thou, you? Any comments on that, Chris? Before we... Well, it's it's like they were laying in wait, you know, for just anything, and and yeah. to uh, and to uh, you know bring any sinner in front of their their so-called in their minds master to uh, see what he would pronounce, you know, and how but how it how it either went along or or did not go along with their view of the law. And the severity thereof. Yeah. Well, you know, one of the things that really I, I of course, um, I've been accused of reading too much into things, but that's okay. But in the second verse here, it says, early in the morning, you know, he came again into the temple. I find that really interesting. So it seems like there was a pattern that he was going in early in the morning into the temple. And I've often thought about that today. I think uh, uh, synonymous with the temple today would be Arminian churches, or we could say even Roman Catholic churches, or any churches that are man-centered and not preaching the uh, gospel of Jesus Christ. But Jesus... uh, 
he knew how their, what their response was going to be to him, but yet he, he subjected himself to that. Isn't that interesting? That he, he knew what the response was. And he, notice it says, And all the people came unto him, and he sat down and taught them. So not all of the people were, you know, I don't believe that all the people that he taught were, not, were unreceptive to his gospel. In other words, notice what happened in three scribes and Pharisees were the, were the problem. They were the chief rulers, and they were the ones that brought this woman to him. And so he's in the temple, and all these people are there, and it's early in the morning, and he'd come again, so he'd been there before. And it seems like the people there were somewhat receptive because they, they were sitting down, and he was teaching them. And then in the middle of this teaching, now what, how does that apply to today? Every time, I can tell you, every time that I find myself in a framework of teaching the truth of God's sovereign grace, there's usually someone that comes along and tries to throw a monkey wrench in the whole thing. It's Satan. It's Satan. These scribes and Pharisees were representatives of Satan. Okay, it's who they were. They were trying to... And so anyway, he says that they say in a master. Notice they always like to use the title. And, you know, the people out there today like to use titles, you know, to try. And by the way, they use titles in, in and amongst themselves and between themselves. But they also try it on me all the time. I had a, I don't know how many people I've tried to have tried that on me. You know, oh, pastor, oh, reverend. Uh, pastor, you know, uh, you're the one with the knowledge here, you know, and you're the expert, you know. Uh, and I usually, I usually stop him. I say, hold on, hold on, you know. The other day, a guy called me. He goes, right, now you're a preacher, right? I go, no, I'm not a pastor, preacher, reverend, or doctor. You know, I'm a, I'm a follower of Christ. Okay. So they say, master. Okay. <laughs> and. Uh, then they, you know, appeal to Moses and the law. And now I'm going to let you read down from 6 down through 11. I, I just like to add to that. Yeah, uh, yeah. When they, when, when the people call, call God the Father, or they call, they call, Jesus said, call no man father right. on this earth. Right. And Jesus said, uh, you know, you're all brethren, and you have right. one father, and he's in heaven. You know, I, I don't know if you see a parallel there he, into what yeah, you were goes, talking about, how, you're, how yeah, they address you. Personally. Well, to exp- yeah. yeah, to expand on that, Chris, he said, call no man father, call no, call no man master, call no man rabbi. <laughs> you know, I think, and I'm not, this isn't pick on John MacArthur Day. But why would he name his college Master's College, you know? And wh- why do people want to, you know, make sure that everybody knows they have a Master's degree, you know? I mean, if, if you say, oh, Larry, you're just too you're just too picky. No, I'm just asking a question, you know. But anyway, um, yeah. Well, ver- verse 6. This they said, tempting him... 
that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and with finger wrote on the ground, You know, I, I, I tend to leave the italics out. You may have noticed that. Yeah. Those were yeah. added by the translators. I think the import is, is gotten, but anyone reading along can go ahead and add that themselves. But I tend to leave out that for good reason. I think you understand. Um, yeah, and I, I, I don't. Uh, I'm not, you know, I'm not uh, a stickler on that because... Um, <laughs> we could get into conversation about translators, and I've been accused of saying that I believe that translators are inspired. And um, let, let me just say this: uh, I had a guy tell me, you know, one of the translators of the King James Version, you know, the Bible was was an Armenian, and you could look it up, and on and on and on. I said, wait a minute, you know, I believe that God uses any means he wants to use to preserve his word. Any means that he wants to use. Not any means that man wants to use. And that includes translators. And so I think, you know, I think that there's there's a reason that these um, italics were put in here. And you say, well, that's, there's a reason they put them in italics too. So I, I receive what you're saying. So I, it's well, not brother, really... I'll go ahead. I, I, for clarity sake, because I've yeah. never really found any fault in, in it. Yeah, yeah. You know, so for clarity's sake, I'll go ahead and include the italicized okay. Uh, okay. words. Okay. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. Seven. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him cast a stone at her. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And when they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last, and Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? Well, that's a... What's your comments on that, Chris? Well, you know, the question, the perennial question is, what is Jesus writing on the ground? <laughs> Some people can conclude that, well, he's writing the, the sins of those hypocrites on the ground. I, he could have just been doodling, for that matter, showing his disinterest in their, in their high standing, and here they're trying to pronounce judgment on anybody. In, in this case, this, this adulteress. Uh, you know, but the hypocrisy, again, of the Pharisees and scribes just, just shines right through. And as we'll see, the Lord brilliantly delivers the woman and uh, makes well, monkey you know, out of the, the scribes and the Pharisees. <laughs> and yeah. those, that are, those that are intent on blood and want to throw stones and and the rest. Well, you know, in reality, what I uh, get from that today 
is that um, you know I one time in my life I would have been one of those amongst them that was ready to throw the stones. You know, I have to be honest about it. Uh, I was a self-righteous. Not to say that I still don't have self-righteousness in me because I do, but uh, even around this issue of adultery, I mean, I've been guilty of that in the past. And uh, the fact is that, you know, we've talked about this before, Chris, but in the mind of God, there's nothing different than intellectual adultery and actual physical adultery. You know, if you look at, at a woman to lust after, you've committed adultery within your heart. And so uh, I don't know any man or woman, by the way, that is not an adulteress or has, not, has committed adultery. But the interesting thing about this is that uh, I, I just I, – I've done quite a bit of thinking about this um, – you know, he wrote on the ground twice. You know, just he wrote on the ground first, and then he stooped down again and wrote on the ground. <laughs> and uh, then it talks about the fact that they were convicted by their own conscience, and they went out one by one. And also, I find seeing that they were beginning at the oldest, even unto the last or the youngest. And I don't know if there's a significance to that, but I think that in my own experience, you know, um, the older I get, the more I realize my depravity. Now, I know that other people are, you know, they, they never come to an understanding of their depravity, but that's a God thing. But what I'm saying is is that, uh, first of all, I have a whole lot more sins to look at, you know, I remember my sins, but God doesn't. Thank God. But Jesus doesn't remember our sins are cast as far as the east is from the west. But that doesn't necessarily mean I've forgotten. And so when I start putting my finger, pointing my finger at other people, you've done this, you've done that, you've done this, you know, and I got four pointing back at me, <laughs> then I realized that, you know what? And so I think there's a significance to that. Also, uh, notice that Jesus was left alone in the woman. And that should that should be where we are. In other words, it really doesn't matter what everybody else is saying out there, does it? It really doesn't matter what everybody else is saying. The doctors, the lawyers, the masters of divinity, the uh, the pastors, the reverence, the teachers, the missionaries, the you know, archbishops, the priests, the cardinals, you know, we are left alone, and Jesus is standing in the midst of us, and that's a really good place to be because what we see now, you know, what what's going to happen. He says, you know, where are those thine accusers? You know. So I'll let you go ahead and read the next 11 down through uh, 15. Uh, She said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. 
Then Jesus, then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. The Pharisees therefore said unto him, Thou bearest record of thyself. Thy record is not true. Jesus answered and said unto them, Though I I bear record of myself, yet my record is true. For I know whence I came and whither I go, but ye cannot tell whence I came and whether I go. Ye judge after the flesh, I judge no man. Go ahead, Chris. Uh, ye judge after the flesh, I judge no man, and yet if I judge, my judgment is true, oh, oh, for I on, am not on. alone, but oh, I okay. am the Father that sent me. Okay, comment. Um, sorry to catch you off there. Um, you know, now the question that I would have in, in verse 10 is, uh, did, did Christ accuse her of adultery? Uh, that question has been asked a lot. In other words, we know that the Pharisees accused her of adultery, but what did Christ say? Uh, you know, and, and this is really interesting because when he said, neither do I condemn thee, the fact that she was left alone with Jesus standing in the midst there. And uh, Jesus said, neither do I condemn thee, go and sin no more. Well, you know, mercy and grace kiss each other right there. Um, because she she was needing both. She was needing the unmerited favor of God. She was She was needing... Uh, forgiveness, and he was not upholding her sin. He said, "Like you, you read, sin. You know, go and sin no more." Um, but he's making some just uh, theological statements here, you know, as to who he is. I'm the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. I've heard a lot of Armenians say, "There you go," you know. All you have to do is follow him and not walk in darkness, and then you don't have the light of life. <laughs> but you're gonna, we're going to find out later that if if uh, Arminian takes that verse and tries to use it to, to support Arminianism, they will have to do away with the rest of this chapter. And uh, you know, so then they're trying to take into question his authority as to, as to who he is. And, uh, you know, he's saying real quickly, real closely there that he says, I bear record of myself, yet my record is true, for I know whence I came, and I know whether I go, but you cannot tell whence I come and whether whether I go. So he judge after the flesh, and I judge no man. I find that a really interesting thing there. Well, Jesus himself said he didn't come into the world to judge the world, but the world through him. Dot dot dot. You know, I mean. Right, right. But though he will be the great judge on Judgment Day, right, he will judge. And I guess the saints, you know, anybody that's saved by the blood of Christ and his finished work on the cross, uh, will I guess take part in that judgment with our Lord. 
and the holy right. angel, you know, and the you elect know, angel. Yes, and you know there's a big difference between judgment and discernment. We're going to see that in this in this particular chapter. You know, another thing is is how he uses uh, the word world. Is he uses the word world in so many different ways? Uh, I know whence I came. I know whether I go. But he cannot tell whether whence I came and whether I go. That's discernment. <laughs> That's discernment. He's saying to them. Now a lot of people say, "Well, he's judging right there." No. He's discerning who they are. He says, you cannot tell whence I come and whether I go. Um, You know, and so we, you know, it's really important to understand the difference between discernment and judgment. Judgment usually comes with with a resulting sentence to it. (laughs) Okay. Discernment, it's just it's just saying this is the way it is, you know. And he also makes a discernment when he says that um, you cannot come, you cannot tell once I come. Well, what's he mean by that? You cannot tell once I come and whether I go. And then he says, "Ye judge after the flesh." What was their judgment? It was going to result in the stoning of this woman. That was what it was. It was not only a judgment, but it was a condemnation and a sentence. Okay. And uh, the reality of it is that uh, he he says, "If I judge, my judgment is true, for I am not alone, but I and my I and the Father that sent me." Uh, it is also written in your law that the testimony of two men is true. <laughs> Isn't it interesting how he used that that testimony of his father and himself to bear witness of myself, and the father that sent me beareth witness of me. So um, anyway, there's an awful lot in that. But anyway, let's go ahead and read down. Uh, and if you have any comments, you know, feel free to jump in there. But 19 through uh, verse 23. Well, 18, I, I am the one that bear witness of myself, and, and, and the Father that sent me beareth witness of me. That, that is, testifies. Yeah. It's just, you know, you, 19, then said they unto him, Where is thy father? Jesus answered, Ye know, ye neither know me nor my father. If, if ye had known me, ye should have known my father also. These words Jesus spake in the treasury as he taught in the temple. And no man laid hands on him, for his hour was not yet come. Then said Jesus again unto them, I go my way, and ye shall seek me, and shall die in your sins. Whether I go, ye cannot come. Then Jesus said to the Jews, Will he kill himself? Because he says, whether I go, ye cannot come. Any comments on that? On that? Well, there's a uh, lot there. There's <laughs> an awful lot there. And, uh, you know, his time had not come. And that's the same with us. You know, we can get out there on 
stand on a soapbox, and I have a friend that does this. Uh, he's called the Hollywood Street Preacher, and you can find it, pick him up on YouTube. Carlton, and he gets out there, and you know what? They come up and say things, or people say, you know, I hear derogatory things in the background, and foul language, and you know, oh, not this guy again, you know, as they walk by, but they're all they're all gilded in their gay pride, whatever. I'm not even talking about one of their parades. I'm just talking about the lifestyle down in present-day Gomorrah, you know. Right, uh, right. You know, anyway, he gets up there and he, he preaches, and the, the time is coming where they'll arrest him for this. You know, he even sometimes amplifies his voice. He doesn't have a black doesn't have one of those megaphones or anything but uh but he he go he tells it he you know he tells it like it is you know he scripture you know verbatim and uh some people gather around and then he has some some associates that pass out some pretty good tracks you know that are consistent with God's word try and find a track that's consistent with God's word from a free grace point of view today <laughs> you'll have to you'll have to print your own because yeah. they're, they're yeah. few and far between. But anyway, then Jesus said unto them, "I go my way; you shall seek me, and you shall die in your sins. Whether whether I go, ye cannot come." And and said the Jews, "Will he kill himself? Because he is saved." See, they always they always gravitate to the lowest common denominator. They want this fellow dead, but his time has not come. So no man, kind of like what we were, we were talking about earlier, brother, where Jesus walked through the very midst of them. So he, he veiled their eyes and walked out of there. They want to throw him off the cliff. And that was before this. So, but it all, it's, all, it's all contingent on the fact that our Lord's time had not come. Jesus knew very well his time and the time he had in the interim. Exactly. Exactly. And you know, also, like we stated earlier about the difference between judgment and discernment, he continues to offer his discernment here, you know, when he says, ye neither knew me, know me, nor my father. I've heard people say, there, there Jesus, you know, Jesus just uh, in a few scriptures before said he doesn't judge anyone. What's he doing there? He's just, no. He's making a discernment about who they are. You neither know me nor my father. If you'd known me, you should have known my father also. That's discernment. And uh, he goes on in 21 and says, You shall seek me and you shall die in your sins. Whether I go, you cannot come. That's not judgment. That's just stating the matter of fact. That's just being discerning. It's saying who they are. You know? all just tell them who they are and um, you know so now we're going to see even further revelation of his discernment here uh, in 24 through 29 well in 23 he says and ye shall and he said unto them ye are from beneath I am from above <laughs> ye are, are of this world I am I love that I am because Jesus is the great I am from yeah. eternity past. No yes. beginning or no end. Uh, but I am not of this world. 
I said therefore unto you that ye shall die in your sins, for if ye believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. So he says it twice. When the Lord says something twice, it means it's firmly established by God. Exactly. Then said, then they said unto him, Who art thou? And Jesus said unto them, Even the same that I said unto you from the beginning. I have many things to say and to judge of you, but he that sent me is true, and I speak to the world those things which I have heard of him, that being the Father. Well, you know, notice here he says, I have many things to say and to judge of you. He didn't say I have many things to say and to judge you. <laughs> there's yeah. a there's a difference of judging of them and judging them. In other words, he's discerning. He's being discerning. And, um, you know, of course, we know that... Uh, the spiritual eyes and spiritual ears. The eyes cannot see, the ears cannot hear if they're spiritually discerned. And only those of God's elect can hear and see because they've been born again by the Spirit of God. And like, you know, like... Uh, Chris was reading in 23 when he says, you're from beneath, I'm from above. Um, This theme runs all the way through John 6, beginning with the first chapter all the way through the last chapter. This theme that there are two people on the face of the earth, the sheep and the goats. Jesus Christ is the greatest teacher on election, you know, he trumps the Apostle Paul, he trumps Peter, he trumps Isaiah. He's God. <laughs> He's God yeah. in flesh. Yeah. And so anyway, that's uh that's the thing. Okay, now let's see, where are we where are we going? Where are we ready for now? Uh twenty seven. Twenty seven. Go ahead. They understood not that he spake to them of the Father. Then said Jesus unto them, When ye have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall ye know that I am he, and that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father hath taught me, I speak these things. Of course, speaking of his crucifixion, but we can go back to the Moses time when the serpents bit the people, and they, yeah. they, they lifted up the brazen serpent in the wilderness, and he simply told them to look upon this as we are to look upon Christ, and you'll be healed of the serpent's bite. Well, isn't the serpent biting and have a fixed bite in the in these Pharisees and Sadducees? And the, the people <laughs> are benign here. The people are are listening, and you know, but they. You know, when you have this this paradox of the pressure. See, nobody ever wanted to get thrown out of the temple. That was the greatest fear. That's the greatest indignity that anyone could ever endure. 
you know, to be thrown. Kind of like today, people live in a small town, they, they have a local church, and to be excommunicated from that church, they're just an outcast. And where are they going to go? If they truly love the Lord, they really want to be part of that, or what they think is the truth coming from the temple that they that they frequent. But anyway, I went off. They, they understood That's not that. Yeah, they, but yeah, yeah. Another one that goes with that is a for fear of the Jews. They really feared the Jews and the power that they wield. And and even on a bigger scale today, we look at this this state of Israel over there in the in the Middle East, and 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 all the other countries are subservient to the dictates of this little country over there you know, that is dictating to all the other countries, especially us. Because I think people right. have misconstrued the, you know, the where God said to Abraham, uh, those who curse you, I'll curse. Those who bless you, I will bless. You've completely taken that out of context. Because, Absolutely. let's face it, all Semitic people are, are of Abraham, you know, and, and then here, here you've got two factions over there in the Middle East cursing each other. <laughs> That's right. Wanting to kill each other, you know, physically. But anyway. Uh, yeah, there's physical Israel and there's spiritual Israel. And by the way, yeah, spiritual, yeah. spiritual Israel that includes... right uh, there. That it's spiritual Israel that's in view, you know, in the whole theme of the whole book in regard to us. Absolutely. And I, I don't want to be a physical Israel. And, you know, and, 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 and there are Jews that are of spiritual Israel. They're just a remnant right. saved by grace, just like any right. sprinkling of people from any country on the earth. God is no respecter of persons. Anyway, then, uh, 29, after Jesus is, is talking about being lifted up, in verse 29, or being crucified, yeah. that's what he's talking about, 28. 29, and he that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone, for I do always those things that please him. As he spake these words, many believed on him. You know, that's uh, back to what we said earlier when he sat down in the temple to teach. There was a, a number of them that were receptive, you know, to his teachings. And, of course, like we said, uh, whenever there is the Holy Spirit is effectually working in the hearts of people, Satan is on is right there in the middle of it, you know. They don't. Satan doesn't like it, you know. There's a scripture that talks about whenever someone comes to a saving knowledge of Christ, how there's joy in heaven and the angels are are praising and worshiping the fact that these people come. But yet, at the same time, the dichotomy that God has so worked, by the way, God is sovereign over the whole thing. But... Uh, you know, there's a there's a conflict going on, and when these these people started to believe upon him, it says they, you know, <laughs> we're going to see it gets a little bit more clear as to the dichotomy between these two people. 
you know. So go ahead, Chris. I'll let you go ahead in 31 and down to maybe, uh, this is really good stuff, 31 to 38. Yes. Again, as he spake these words, many believed on him. 31. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, then ye are my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, We be Abraham's seed. We were never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou? And Jesus said, I'm adding that. Ye shall be made free? That's a question. 34. Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, truly, truly, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. The servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth forever. If the son, therefore, shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. <laughs> you know, I don't know how many times that uh, I have heard that particular scripture taken totally out of context, you know. And it's so self-evident. I mean, how can he be any more clear? If the Son, therefore, shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. It has nothing to do with man's free will here. Okay, it has to do with being raised from the dead spiritually to spiritual life, and uh, you know we know he's talking back there in the thirty-fourth verse about those who are in bondage to sin and Satan, and. so there's a there's a, whenever there's spiritual life, there is freedom. The Son, therefore, shall make you free. Who's going to make you free? Not your own decision, not an act of the will, not filling out a decision card, not going to an altar, not uh, giving a sin, not letting Jesus into your heart. No, it all starts with the Son. If the Son shall make you free. You shall be free. That's called being born again, like it was in John 3 with uh, Nicodemus, you know. You must be born again. Okay. You know, that reminds me of he he that comes up another way is a liar and a so forth. (laughs) Yeah. And a thief, yeah. And, uh, the only Jesus is the gate, and you cannot come to the Father but by any other way than Amen. Jesus. He is the one. He's God, sent in the flesh, come and die for, and to reconcile us back to the Father. And we're going all the way back to the to the uh, to the stain of Adam. Yep. You know, and Eve, you know, and that that is why Jesus came to lift that from his elect. Right. Not everybody, but whomever the Father gave Jesus to die for. Yep. 
37. I know that ye are Abraham's seed, but ye seek to kill me because my word hath no place in you. I speak that which I have seen with my father, and ye do that which ye have seen with your father. They answered and said unto him, Abraham is our father. Jesus saith unto them, If ye were Abraham's children, ye would do the works of Abraham. But now ye seek to kill me, a man that hath told you the truth which I have heard of God. This did not Abraham. (laughs) You know, I mean, Jesus Christ was not you know, he did not believe in Beatles theology. You know, love is all we need. Love is all we need. You know, he he believed it. You know, telling the truth. Notice here how he uses the word truth. You know, and uh, in verse thirty-two, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Who's he speaking of? The truth is Jesus Christ. Ye shall know Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ shall make you free. Why can I say that? Because he says in verse 36, If the Son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. They're synonymous. The truth and Jesus Christ are synonymous. I had a guy tell me one one time that, you know, Jesus Christ was just, you know, a principle. (laughs) No. And it was just a demonstration of a principle. And I said, you know what? The problem with theologians today and religionists is they're preaching principles and they're not preaching the person of Jesus Christ. There's only one mediator, like Chris said, there's only one mediator between God and man, and that is the the man Christ Jesus. And here for the first time, in this where, where Chris was just reading, he very clearly makes a contradistinction of two fathers. You know, the father, his father, Jesus Christ. You know, he says, I have, uh, I have seen, I speak that which I have seen with my father, and you do that which you have seen with your father. <laughs> he wasn't talking about Abraham. He was talking about their father, the devil. That's who he was talking about. And they start contending all, you know, with him, you know, saying Abraham is our father and so on. And and we know that Abraham was counted to God because of his faith that God gave him. You know, faith didn't, Abraham didn't drum up his own faith. And, um, but anyway, that's uh, the first time in this particular passage we see I have seen I have seen with my father and you do that which you have seen with your father. And uh go ahead, Chris. Forty one. Ye do the deeds of your father. They, then they said to him, We be not born of fornication, we have one father, even God. Jesus said unto them, If God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God, neither came I of myself, but he sent me. Why do ye not understand my speech, even because ye cannot hear my word? Ye are of your father the devil, 
and the lusts of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and he abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. Wow. What a... <laughs> I mean, that there's a whole sermon there. I mean... Again, he's making a distinction between the truth and the lie. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No man come to the Father but by me. But he's saying these people have no no residence in the truth because they are the father of the devil. And the lust of your father you will do. And he was a murderer from the beginning, notice. From the beginning. In other words... You know, a lot of people talk about, oh, you know, Lucifer just kind of grew into his, uh, he, he kind of grew away from God. You know, one time he was, he was, you know, he didn't have sin. And no, no. He was a non-elect angel, and he was a murderer from the beginning, and he abode not in the truth, because there's no truth in him. There was no truth in Lucifer from the time of the, the beginning. Um and he he speaketh a lie, and he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar, and the father of it. You know, there's another passage that says that he was a liar from the beginning. And so when someone tells you that Lucifer, you know, he was not... I had a, an elder tell me there's no such thing as non-elect angels, okay? How can you have elect angels and not have non-elect angels? And Judah tells us that there were those that kept not their first estate. Their first estate. Well, <laughs> what was this first estate? You're the father of the devil, and the lust of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning. And uh, I kind of got going on that one. There's so much there. Chris, you want to add anything before we continue reading? There is so much there. That's why I stopped it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, he really found them out. As you said, he found them out to their face. They didn't right. like it. And that just gave them more like a lawyer, you know, trying to build a case. <laughs> they, all, they continually built a case against our Lord. Our Lord knew it. Our Lord played into it, you know, because he knew that he had to be offered up. For the sake of many, not all. See, there's two words in the whole book. All and many. Three words. And world. Right. When we see these three words, actually they're the crux of the Arminian point of view. Because they they don't use these words contextually. Or in, in the context of how they were, of where they're placed in what is particularly written. That's that correct. employs any of these three words. And in doing so, that's why it's so important to just read the Bible slowly and carefully and compare Scripture with Scripture. And you can't but come away with understanding the sovereignty of God and, and that it's His will, not ours, and so forth. There's several worlds out there. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's the, there's, the world of, there's the world of His elect. There's the yeah. world of the reprobate. <laughs> There's the physical world, you know. In John 17, he says, I pray not for the world. Right, in the <laughs> well, high priestly prayer of Jesus, uh, John 17. Uh, if, he, if he didn't pray for the world, then uh, 
how could he have died for all men without exception? Exactly. If, he'd pray, if he'd prayed for the whole world, all the world would have would have been uh, recipients of his of his grace. And uh, so, yeah, it's the issue of all men without exception. <laughs> no, it's uh, a particular redemption for his people. And you know, he said, "Love not the world." He told the disciples, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Yeah, neither the things that are in that world. It's a really good point you bring out. So people, uh, I know that I had to to start learning how to read the Bible in context, just like we've talked before, you know, regarding uh, that passage in Peter. You know, they leave, they always leave out the word us word. Always leave that word out of us word. God's not Who's willing. Who's the us word? Who's the us tor word? Yes. Word. Yes. Look, for the elect. That's correct. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's good stuff. Where are we at? We're 49, is 40, that right? Or 40, no? 40, 45. 45, yeah. And because I tell you the truth, you believe me not. Which of you convinces me of sin? And if I say the truth, why do ye not believe me? He that is of God heareth God's word. He therefore hear them not, because ye are not of God. Stop. Then answer the Jews. Comment, comment. Let's stop there. Do you know how powerful 47 is? I mean, that is, you know... I mean, you could take that verse and you could apply that to any false doctrine that is taught out there. Any false doctrine, whether it would be uh, the doctrine of, you know, of, of the mass, uh, whether it would be the doctrine of ecumenicalism, whether it would be the doctrine of free will, or like you said, the doctrine of dispensational the statehood of Israel, whatever. He that is of God heareth God's words. Ye therefore hear them not, because ye are not of God. So when you when you run into somebody, folks, out there, and you're just like Chris was saying, when you start reading them the word of God, and they start putting up a they start putting up their sword, they're ready to kill you because of something you're reading out of God's word. Doesn't that give us the answer as to whose they are? I think it does. Absolutely. I think it does. Okay. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I, I no, just had no, to. Oh, no. <laughs> it's good. It's good. Your comments are right, parallel, or in line with, with, the, with the intent of, of, what's, of what's being read here. 48. Then answered the Jews and, the, and, and said unto him, Say we not well that thou art a Samaritan and hast a devil? Jesus answered, I have not a devil, but I honor my father, and ye do dishonor me. And I seek not mine own glory. There is one that seeketh and judgeth. Verily, verily, I say unto you, if a man keep my saying, he shall never see death. Comment, comment. 
Well, yeah, the, the you know what's going on here is well, a lot of people are confused about the uh, the unpardonable sin. This is it. Yeah. Well, it's unbelief, and and but to ascribe Jesus has a devil and he gets his power from the the the, the king of the devils, the adversary, Satan. Is just absolutely. It's beyond the pale. It is, and you know, also, um, this is also a refutation of all of those out there, the Arminians that try to say that a person can lose his salvation. Okay, because he says that if a man's keeping his sayings, he shall never see death. Now the Arminians say, there you go. As long as you keep his sayings, you'll never see death. But the moment you start keeping his not keeping his sayings, you will you will see death. And that's We're a gospel gonna, of works, brother. That's right. And it's also uh, seeking, like he said, their own glory. In other words, um, because they immediately, like Chris was saying, notice how they turned everything on on its face. Jesus Christ made the first allegations about the fact that who who they were, you know, back in the 44th verse. Ye are of your father the devil. I mean, if you if you walked up to somebody on the street, you know, and you told them, hey, you're of your father the devil, in all probability, they would come back and they would try to get on equal par. The only difference is me telling someone that and Christ telling that is Jesus Christ created the devil. You realize that? Jesus Christ created the devil. And the, well, he, the created, yeah, he created the very earth and planted the seed that grew the wood that, that the cross was made of. That's right. Down to the, the, down to the smallest molecule, Jesus is 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 has interest in every aspect down to the minutest detail of his creation. And you know, all these people out here like to put forth these huge arguments about, you know, God is not the author of sin and all of this stuff. Well, let me say this. One is there is a difference between evil and sin, but I will say this. Uh, there are no maverick molecules with God. God created all. It says, by him all things were created, and nothing was created that was not created by him. That's in Colossians. And also it says, all things were put under his feet. Okay? And he says, he has, been, he has given him the power. Okay? He says that God has given him a name that's greater than any name, that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Well, here we have Jesus Christ identifying one of his non-elect creations. And he's also identifying the non-elect creations who are identified with those non-elect uh, Satan, in other words, these reprobates, another word for him. And he says, and I don't think you've got this 55, but I'll read it. Yet 
yet ye have not known him, but I know him. And if I should say I know him not, I shall be a liar like unto you, but I know him and say his, keep his saying. So in other words, the distinction is between, you know, the fact, have you ever thought about this? Um, I've, heard, I've heard people say, well, everybody has a knowledge of God. No, they do not. Uh, I've heard people say, well, everybody has a conscience. Well, you know, if you're dead in your trespasses and sin, I've met people who have told me they wanted to go to hell. I've, I've oh, I think they. What are they? Excuse me, brother. They say. I think they say something to the effect of, "It's isn't it isn't it more glorious for them to to uh, to reign in hell than to serve in heaven?" Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, how ridiculous! It is. Ridiculous. I, I had a, a neighbor tell me that he wanted to go to hell because he knew that all the people that had screwed him over would be there, and it'd be a chance to get back back at them. No, I mean, no, no. Hell is a place. Hell is a place of aloneness, blackness, perpetual blackness. There's no you 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 have no place to strike a vendetta against anyone that's done you what you consider harm. You know, it's probably that's, not harm at all. It's the good. It's the good Lord that uh, that caused this, maybe to stir up your remembrance to the fact that God is God and Christ is Christ. And but a lot of people don't take it like that. They. Uh, they want to ascribe it to something uh, from an evil tact, you know. Well, yeah, that's right. And, and and the reality of it is, back in forty four, he's telling them, he's telling them the attributes that they demonstrate to show that they are the father of the devil, because he says, "You're of your father the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do." That you know. Yeah, go ahead. That verse, you know, verse forty-four is the king verse of the of the whole chapter, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. eight forty-four. Yeah, it really is. If, it's. Uh, but what do they do? They go on to uh, try to tell him that he's of the devil and everything he does is miracles, so forth, and his goodness and love uh, to us word are demonic and from the power of of, of the evil one. And this is, I mean, they've really lost it at this point. They have no, they have no remedy, you know. And, you and know here what? they're it, talking it, with the Messiah, right? Yeah, reprobation is progressive. It is oh, progressive. Yeah. I mean, we see, that in, we see that in Romans, you know, that we turned over to reprobate mind to do those things that are unseemly, and it starts going through the laundry list. And that's what you're saying, you know. It's, it's, it, they just continue to go down that road and... You know, then they make all these allegations, you know, against him and so on. And like you said, they start making these charges that here he is, you know, and, and, um, but, uh, <laughs> well, God, well, God, God meant Jesus for us for good. And these folks meant him for evil because right. they didn't want, they didn't want their station or their apple cart overturned. You know, they had a good thing going there with, uh, you know, the, well, we could get to the money changers later, but you know the, you know, the drift, you know. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, but no, yeah, this is, I think we're, this is uh, the heart of every man, even, to, you know, to this day or more so, you know, but uh, I don't think people outrightly say, well, yeah, Jesus, 
yeah, he's just another prophet. He's just another way to get to heaven. And they generally don't ascribe him to uh, to Lucifer or, or being a, a you know uh, working his works through the power of, of the evil one, you know. But uh, they they do in essence, even without blatantly coming out and saying it. If you don't understand, if God hasn't given you to understand that Christ is the Christ, you really have, uh, I mean, there's a lot of slants on the unpardonable sin, but this, to me, illustrates it most, most mostly. There's also a correlation between uh, very another very important, uh, I mean, all these verses are very important, but... In verse 52, when it said, Then said the Jews unto him, Now we know that thou hast a devil. Abraham is dead, and the prophets. And thou sayest, If a man keeps my saying, he shall never taste of death. Art thou greater than our father Abraham, which is dead? And the prophets are dead. Now, I, I just have one comment about that. Do you realize that's exactly what people are doing who are stuck in the old covenant. Yeah. They're doing the very same thing. They're saying they may not say it, you know, in so many certain terms, but they're certainly saying it by their interpretation of the Bible. They're saying, Is Jesus Christ greater than Abraham? You know? In other words, uh the law service, the ceremonial law, and all the Ten Commandments and everything else trump the death of Jesus Christ. No, they do not. Jesus Christ trumps Abraham. He trumps the the, the prophets. He trumps, uh, you know, the old law service. We have a new and better covenant, you know. And these people that are trying to go back into the old law service that's what Galatians, that's what you and Walter's program. By the way, folks, if you want to hear a tremendous study on Galatians, go over to Hour of Discernment and talk show, and Walt and Chris cover this in depth. And I didn't mean to get off subject, but I thought it was, you know, uh, kind of a correlation there, uh, Chris. Well, Galatians, again, is this is just this, the, the simplicity, well, actually the harshness of the law versus the simplicity of God's unmerited grace to us. Exactly, words. exactly. Exactly. But uh, anyway, where we're at 50, you just read 52, brother. Right. And comments are well and in keeping with, 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 the, with what I, I believe what our Lord teaching us here. If a man keep my saying, he shall never taste of death. You know, speaking of his own elect, we came, who, who only he came to die for. Right. Art thou greater than our father Abraham, which is dead, and the prophets are dead, who makest thou thyself? Jesus answered, If I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my father that honoreth me, of whom ye say that he is your God. Yet ye have not known him but I know him. And if I should say I know him not, I shall be a liar like unto you. But I know him and keep his saying. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day and saw it and was glad. 
And the Jews said unto him, Thou art not yet fifty years old, and hast thou seen Abraham? Jesus said unto you, said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. <laughs> they don't like that. No. You know, that's no. blasphemy in their eyes to hear oh, him yeah. say, I am. Because that's how God revealed himself to Moses. Right. He gave the law. Who do do I tell the people that thou art? You know, and he said, I am who I am. The great I am. Ancient of days. Boy, they knew what he was saying. And to them, that was blasphemy. Yeah. And they took up stones to cast at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple going through the very midst of them. I, I added very. Going through the midst of them and so passed by. That's what you were talking about earlier, too. You know. Christ has yeah, a way we were talking of, about of that time they wanted to throw him over the cliff out from yeah. out of the temple. Yeah. yeah. Well, you but, know, this is, this is a phenomenal. I remember the first time I read through the eighth chapter of John and... Uh, it had a tremendous impact on me, I must say, because I I had never seen, you know, when I started reading these great truths, the distinguishing characteristics of God's people versus all the rest of people in the world. I'm not saying it's palatable. I never said it was palatable. It's palatable to the elect. I mean, I rejoice in it today. Oh, yeah, we rejoice in it. I rejoice in it today, but I'll tell you what, there's a lot of people that they're ready to, you know, they don't want to just pick up stones and stone Christ. I was sharing with, with Brother Chris that, uh, and if you guys want to want to hear something really very, I mean, this is timely because this man just recently died. Stanley Phillips, no relation of mine, but I put his DVD on Sermon Audio. It's called The Final Interview with Stanley Phillips. And if you want to hear, fast forward today, you know, how these people treat someone who stands up for God's predestinating electing grace, just listen to that DVD, that, that, uh, that interview. Nothing's changed, Chris. Nothing's news under the sun, you know. Amen. Proverbs true. Nothing is new under the sun, brother. And they yeah, will you know, I, actually it will become more entrenched in their in their hatred of us as as we get closer and closer to the time being that uh, where we are. That's right. And you know when we look and read, and I don't know if anybody you know uh, tunes into this. But if you haven't read the Fox's Book of Martyrs, that'll that'll open your eyes to see how much they hate the truths of the gospel. The gospel, you know, why do we spend as much time as we do exposing Rome? Because Rome, in the Council of Trent, said that let anyone be anathema who proclaims that man does not have a free will. This is what we're talking about in this chapter. Those people <laughs> thought they had the power in and of themselves to make themselves righteous before God through their works. And Jesus dispelled all that in one, one verse 
you know, if the Son shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. <laughs> that was, that's in a nutshell what this is all about. And so, you know, God is sovereign over salvation. He works all things after the counsel of his own will. It says that, uh, you know, in another place, that as many as, speaking of the Gentiles, as many as were ordained to eternal life believe. All that the Father has given me will come to me. And all that come to me, I will no wise cast out, you know. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate. And whom he predestinated, he also justified. And then he justified, he also glorified. What shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It's God that justifieth. It's Christ that died. Yea, that seated at the right hand of God, making intercession for us. Who can separate us from the love of God? That's what we're that's what we're proclaiming today. Yeah, that's what we're proclaiming today. Yeah. Yeah. But but again, brother, they're 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 either coming from emotion or what they've been taught. Right. It's easier to share these truths with someone who's is completely ignorant of this. And ignorant, I don't use that word. A lot of people construe the word, the definition of the term ignorant as stupid. No. There's a cross-distinction betwixt the two. Someone who's stupid is stupid. We, and we can pretty much use the, the, common, the common definition of that. But, but ignorant just means they haven't come to the understanding thereof yet. You know, and I... We were all being ignorant. We were all ignorant. Yeah, well, you know, the great thing about it is is that um, the foundation of God stands assured. He knows who are his, you know. And, you know, I heard something today that I thought was really good. And, I, it, you know, it, we're constantly learning all the time, you know. But uh, a lot of people don't want to read the imprecatory psalms, you know. They say they're not for today, you know. Oh, they are most certainly for today. <laughs> imprecatory means to pray to the Lord, as David did, against his enemies and let the wrath of God come down upon them. And people don't under, they can't equate generally most Christians never even heard the term imprecatory, but, but that, that is to, that is to renounce and put off the, the, the people of darkness. It would like these guys here that wanted to, wanted to kill our savior before his time. Or all well, throughout know, his ministry, imprecatory Jerry, is is good, and, and imprecatory prayers and those psalms of David are are applicable to a world such as this, and and all throughout history, people don't understand imprecatory or that's not Christian. No, it is know, very much Jerry, Christian. Yeah, Jerry Maurer, who you've met, he's the gentleman from down in uh, Batesville, Arkansas, that. I've grown to love and, and uh, have a uh, kindred spirit with. But he said something that I'd never heard it put quite this way. He said, you know, we are, we are commanded to love our enemies, but our enemies are not Christ's enemies. In other words, if they're Christ's enemies, we're not com- – you know, we, we cannot – in other words, the Scripture tells us that we are to hate – those that hate Christ. We're to abhor those who abhor Christ. 
we are to, and if you go to the 109th Psalm uh, and read that after this broadcast, you'll see more clearly what I'm describing, you know. It says that he hates all workers of iniquity. It says he's angry with the wicked every day. You know, he abhorreth uh, them. It says that, um, you know, that he will have his enemies under his feet, you know. And he also talks about why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing, you know. Yeah, and he says he will hold them in derision. He will laugh at them. You know. Laugh at their derision, laugh at their confusion, laugh at when they when they seek him early. Yes. He will laugh at them. That could have been us. Yeah. But by the by the intervention of Christ's of Christ's salvation, it's not us. And, and we so are so thankful that it's not we us. Have, yeah, we have nothing to boast of, but I think that the the caveat here is that we you know, I'm talking to myself is that we don't want to take this uh, unconditional love too far when people are are blaspheming and mocking and deriding our Savior. Now, God doesn't need our defense. Uh, don't get me wrong. He doesn't need our defense. <laughs> right. You know, he, he is independent of all of his creation, you know. Uh, and, and if somebody gets up and starts saying what God wants, look out. Or, need, or needs, or needs. <laughs> or needs, yeah. God gets everything he wants and needs, okay? And by and the way... Changes, he changes not, yes. God is immu- immutable, yes. That's right. And the Godhead is in perfect unity. In fact, you know, the uh, by... Be- but by the determinate hands, counsel of God, you've taken and crucified. It says. I mean, this 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 covenant, this everlasting covenant between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, that Christ would come and save His people from His sins, has been from eternity. It wasn't option B, you know. Well, yeah, you're right, and brother, you know, I, I would admonish every every everybody that's verging on Arminianism to look at. Even Ephesians, especially, you know, a lot, but all throughout the Bible, a lot of these, the tenses of the English language, let's look at the past tense and how Paul writes, or, well, Jesus is the author of everything, but uh, Jesus is the Word. Jesus is this book that's before us. Absolutely. Absolutely. But everything, as far as our salvation goes, it's not anything we can go shake the preacher's hand or walk down the aisle, as you as you so eloquently stated prior. Uh, it's the it's the simple fact that everything Jesus did for us was done. In That's other words, right. you can't add to it now. In uh, what do we got? March sixteenth is it six seventeen of March uh, two thousand and sixteen. You can't, uh, 17th, I believe it's 17th. Yeah. Uh, you can't do anything today that's going to that's gonna change God or add you to the book of life or what. No, no, if you're in the book of life, you were there because God placed you there in that book of life before, well, actually, from the foundation of the world. 
And Jesus came to die for those people alone. But there's nothing we can do, like, except Jesus. This is such a relatively new concept, but it's taken the world by storm, and Satan is just just glorying in this confusion. He loves the fact that people think they can they can get away with it. And what it comes down to is they're insulting God by exactly. by insisting upon the Lord and saying, Well, God, I'm gonna accept your son, that's mighty bigamy, isn't it? You know, no, they don't think they don't think that, but that's exactly what's going on here in this Arminian conversion or or phony conversion, you know, and then they walk away and think all is well. Oh, all is well with my soul, you know, and so forth. But well, you no, know, it's the, not. They've you destroyed know, there's the whole point. There's also uh, the aspect, uh, I heard this recently, and I thought it was really good. Um, those who are teachers of biblical truth uh, are merely uh, asserting what Christ already said. And also they're asserting with one another what Christ already said. That's what we've been doing today, you know. That's what we're not you know, we're we're flesh. I mean Chris and I are fleshy, like Walt says, you know, but the point is we can agree on the doctrines of grace because we we have experienced them in our in in our hearts. In other words, there's been a there's been a rebirth, there's been a quickening of our spirit. Spirit, you know, to recognize by God that what he's saying is truth, you know. He's the way, the truth, and the life. Well, listen, Chris, we've come up on an hour and a half, and I think that, uh, I hope that the good Lord will see fit to, uh, we know he, he, his, his, his word does not return unto him void. And uh, this word that goes out will go out to who it's supposed to go out to, and it will it will do whatever God has so derived for it to do, and it will harden those who, you know, the the word of God does two things: it either it either softens or it either hardens the heart. It's like a, a sword. It's a you know. It, but you know what? Uh, Christ is the one that does all the work. He's the one that does all the work through His Holy Spirit. So, uh, final comments, and then we. Chris, and we'll end this uh, Bible study, and I really, really enjoyed going through this with you. Likewise, uh, my brother, and uh, again, like you said, it is, it's a two-edged sword, and the Bible was written to, uh, again, it's cliche, I guess, maybe, maybe not, some, but uh, it was written to enhance and give them greater understanding into the ways and means, which is through God's book, the Bible. Or it's there to confound those that are not counted as as God's sheep. Exactly. And they read this book very quickly, undiscerningly, and all it does is give give, uh, more condemnation upon themselves. That's right. By virtue of the book itself. You know, God gave this as a love letter to His own elect, and He and and, and with time in our time, not His. He, he's not subject to time. You know. Yeah. But uh, well, um, I'm wondering, is um, Brother Michael with us? And Michael, uh, can you help us now? 
Yeah, I think uh, you have any comments? Well, basically, the lesson the lesson here is, is forget about the organized religion and believe in Jesus Christ. Do what he's, <laughs> just, just believe. Amen. Just walk and believe and forget about all the religion. Forget about all of it. All the man-made elements of it. All the efforts right. to try to appease or please God. And just believe. To believe in Jesus that's Christ. Right. That's it. Well, that's a heck of a lesson to learn. That's basically. If that means Sunday, I'm not going to church. Huh? <laughs> yes, and just, just you know, just the the reality of it is the great consolation to those who are um, crying out to God. They see their need of a Savior, and so on. You know, if you if you do that, you find yourself crying out to God. And, See yourself in need of a well, you know, already... Yeah, the thing is, I was. When I think about it. When uh, when you first started working on me, and causing me to cry out to him, that's when I was most in line with what he wanted the whole time. Yes, and and the fact is, it's like I I I said, you know, when Richard Bennett was sharing his faith, and so he said he cried out to God, you know, and I said, brother Richard, you know, that's the evidence you already had life or you wouldn't have even been able to cry out to God. I mean, the, the faith, the belief, you know, he's the author, the finisher of our faith. And, and uh, you know, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. Well, you know what? Uh, if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you have life, you know. And uh, the Son has already made you free, and you will be free indeed, because you have recognized that he is the way. The truth and the life. But anyway, I appreciate the, that, and I appreciate you hosting this today, uh, Michael. And uh, feel free to uh, terminate the call anytime that uh, you're ready to do so.